same every time we're together. You can say it with me. We are here to help college students know Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We want to help you to know Christ, to know who God is and how you can have a relationship with him as defined and described in his word, the Bible. So thank you for coming. If you're new, we are so glad that you're here and that you took enough of a risk to, um, to walk into a strange person's house and come into the backyard. That's kind of spooky in this day and age, and yet here you are. And uh, we will not in any way hold you hostage, but we're just glad you came. Hopefully, please come talk to me after. I'd love to meet you and hear your story. Uh, and also, we, got, we have people all around that hopefully will be talking to you and getting to know you. But we would love for you to connect with our ministry. Uh, as you heard from Isaac, there's a lot of great things happening. Our favorite is Radix, which is our midweek meetings that just got launched this last week, Monday, Wednesday night. Both of them are within a couple miles of this house. And uh, we are going on a more intimate level, as you heard, more intimate Bible study, working through First John. Come be part of it. You'll love it. It's a great time. If you're looking for a community of people, this is the place and a good opportunity for you to get to know other people that are seeking to know God. In addition to that, we have all sorts of other things happening. Our church meets on Sundays at Marietta Valley High School. Can you believe that? If you've driven by in the morning, we're the ones out there in the bleachers at eight o'clock in the morning, sweating it out. I don't know if you realize this. It's hot at eight o'clock in the morning, right? Am I right? You sit out there, you're like, how is this possible? It's, it's, 8.15 and I'm dripping with sweat. Well, that's us and we're glad that you could join us. But we'll be out there uh, every week and uh, we're thrilled to have you here. We've got coffee rolling tonight. That'll be going after. Is that right, ladies? Well, that's, that's only the, if you didn't get your, your cup before, you can get your cup after. If you got your cup before, get a second cup after, whatever, it's good. The library is rock and roll, and you saw that on the way in. We got about a gazillion books in there, a lot of new books, new layout. Go check it out. And uh, I'm just glad that you're here. We, um, if you haven't been to my house for a while, we've spent uh, this entire COVID period. COVID happened, we decided we're, we're remodeling everything. And so we added a whole bunch of things, a pool, a pickleball court, and... Uh, these lights and a few other things. So hopefully this will become a home to you and you're welcome to go explore around and we're glad that you're here. Okay, tonight. Tonight we begin a brand new series that will take us through the semester that we have titled The Issues List. There it is, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Issues List. Uh, and if I could give you one verse that's the theme of our semester, I'm going to ask you to open there, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. I want to read it. We'll be going to, back to this verse every single week. This is kind of the theme verse of where we're going with the issues list right there in your Bibles. Ephesians 5, verse 15. I'll wait till Natalie's there. I won't look at her, though, because I don't want anybody to know which Natalie I'm talking about, so... I have to be quiet, waitful. Okay, Ephesians 5, 15. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live and how you act and what's happening in your life. Not as unwise men or unwise women, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. It's a good word. There's a lot of things happening there's a lot of issues in our life. We'll get to that in a minute. But the purpose of tonight's message is just to introduce briefly our topic, and this will be briefer than normal, and to get you thinking about these various issues that are happening in our world. And if you stay tuned till the end and you don't get up and leave, I won't call you out if you do, but if you stay till the end, 
um, I will give you a list of the issues we're going to work through. Um, but in the meantime, let me back my way into this and by way of introduction, topically through the Bible, give you kind of a definition of where we're going and why we're doing the issues list. Fair? Okay. Point number one, if you're taking copious notes, is this. We got a lot of issues. We got a lot of issues. This is a pretty simple thought. Our lives are filled with adversity, difficulty, and pain. Now, certainly there are times where the sun is shining brightly and everything seems to go our way, but there are also times where there's just flat, no wind in our sails, and the hits just keep on coming. For you, individually, you don't have to go very far back in your own life to find the most recent difficulty or trial that you faced. It's probably either today or within the last week or two, something difficult. Some of you are going through deep water right now. Sometimes it's an emergency like a car accident or an ER visit or another swab stuck deep into your brain. Am I right, Nicole? Um, it could be the sudden death of a loved one, an unexpected layoff at work, some event that comes along with no warning and brings you to your knees. We've all been through this. Other times it's a dull, lingering, aching pain, a breakup with somebody that you love, a chronic health issue, the prolonged pain of loss, or the feeling of failure that gnaws away at your mind. And all of these things remind us that life is hard. And sometimes those hits just keep coming. You pay your taxes, hopefully, all of you are paying taxes, just in time for your car to break down, right? You fix your car just in time for you to bend over because you've been eating too much and your pants rip and you gotta buy some new pair, whatever it might be, right? Um, your parents ask you to go on a two week long vacation with them in a car, driving around, just you and your parents, all, it's awesome. Um, you spill on yourself right before an interview for, for a job. You oversleep and miss your final. Your dog gets sick and so you kick it and then it turns around and it bites you. And it's like, just a bad day, right? I don't know. Maybe you're confronted with difficult decisions. Should I date this guy? Should I go away to college? How do I ex handle this explosive situation at work? What do I do with my credit card debt? Uh, we often feel like we have little control over circumstances and the external ones, certainly we've got very little control. Natural disasters to political turmoil, uh, from traffic uh, all the way down to rain on your wedding day. All of this is evidence that we live in a difficult world. And on this side of heaven, life will always be this way. In Job chapter five, verse seven, you don't need to turn there. It says, for man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. Or John 16, 33, Jesus himself said, in the world, you will have tribulation. One man said it this way, life is hard. Then you die. Then they throw dirt in your face. Then the worms eat you. Be grateful it happens in that order. <laughs> Well, many of you are carrying heavy burdens. You walked in tonight with a smile on your face and yet, um, and you politely said hello to others during our Q and A, but it's just a thin veneer covering a heart that's barely hanging on. Life has thrown you a curveball. The weight of the world is pressing on your shoulders. You've got every ball juggled in the air. You're trying not to drop them, but it's becoming more and more difficult. You're filled with anxiety over present events and future what ifs. And so the point is simple enough that we have a lot of issues. The question is, where, where did this all come from? 
Why do we have so many problems? Why can't life be easier? How come the bumper sticker that I see all the time on the back of those cars, no bad days, and I wanna just run the guy off the road and be like, how about now? Right? Like, that bumper sticker is the biggest lie I've ever seen. No bad days, seriously? Are you not living in the world that the rest of us are living in? Where did it all come from? Well, Genesis 3, the first book of the Bible, describes what theologians call the fall. And, and mo many of you, most of you heard of this. It, this was deliberate disobedience and rebellion of our first parents, Adam and Eve. And the effect of their sin, that is what the Bible calls, sin is what the Bible calls any breach of God's command. The effect of their sin, of their disobedience, of their rebellion, was that God cursed the earth. And that every human being born as a son or daughter of Adam would be and would have an imprinted um, sin nature into their souls. There's no escaping it. Every one of us is a sinner. You want to know why there's so many issues? Here it is because we live in a fallen world and all of us are part of the problem. In Romans 3.10, it says, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. The issues in this life are because you and I are sinners and we don't know how to be good or holy or do the right things. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, God made the world perfect. Put Adam and Eve into a perfect scenario in a garden. Man cast into sin. God cursed the earth. Part of that curse was pain and childbearing, the battle of the sexes, racism, inequality, poverty. All of life itself would be toilsome and wearying. And worst of all, every single life would have an ultimate end in death. That's what Genesis 3.19 says. It says, by the sweat of your face, you'll eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Bottom line, we were born, we live, we die. In the middle of that, we got issues. We got a lot of issues. We have personal issues. We have relational issues. We have cultural issues. We have national issues. They are all over the place. We've got COVID, a disease that's run amok, that has been even expanded on by the political forces and um, the media and other things. We have unemployment at record highs. We have racial disharmony that has been disjointed and created factions and riots and protests and, and all sorts of uh, looting and murders and other things. We have political factions. We're, we're in a situation that is politically charged like few elections have been in recent history. There's a lot of, uh, so let me say, basically we're a counter, a counter peg, a powder keg. And uh, that would be pig Latin. I'll do the rest of the message in pig Latin. <laughs> counter peg. No, that would, anyway, it doesn't matter. We, we are ready to just explode. The list goes on and on of the issues that we have. And I just want you to, say, to know you shouldn't be surprised because the third page of the Bible tells you that this life is gonna be full of issues. That's how long it, it takes for us to, to blow God's plan and to eventually have to go down a pathway of issues-filled life. So the question is, where do we go from here? What do we do? And I'll say in our outline, number two, the Bible 
is God's roadmap for you. The Bible is God's roadmap for your life. Now, certainly in this world, people look to different solutions and different answers to the problems of life. We could look to politics. That doesn't seem to be working very well right now. We have half the nation on one side of the equation and half the nation on the other side of the equation. There is a growing divide in our country based on what worldview that you have, whether you are on a Republican or a Democratic side and what that means for you and for your future. We could look there. We could look to money and to possessions to solve our problems. If I just had enough, then I could move to an island and it wouldn't matter what happens over here in America. I would just be free to sit under a, uh, a palm tree and ask why is the rum gone, right? Like that, that would be a, the solution that we think would fix our problems. We could seek higher education. Well, if everybody was educated and everybody got degrees and everybody knew kind of what was going on, how to wash their hands, how to speak in different languages, what the philosophies of life are, that could solve problems. We could look to science. Science will teach us the origins of life and science will teach us how we can live longer and science will teach us how we can be better people. We could look um, to socialism. We could look to capitalism. Do you know what those mean? You'll find out next week. Okay, there's, there's lots we're gonna teach you on this. We can drown our problems in alcohol or in drugs uh, or in medicines designed to change our hormonal balances. We try all sorts of things to fix our issues. Um, we could invest more in our family, our friends, relationships. We could work more. We could work out more. If my body just looked better, then I could get my body and mind and soul into alignment. Everything would be good. We could have more sex. We could look to physical fulfillment. Everybody's looking for solutions and tries to apply their brand of what would solve their problems in a different way. A lot of different places that you could look. But here's the premise of our series and of really what we stand for in this ministry. We are Christians. Those who have recognized that our problems are a result of sin and that God has laid out a roadmap for us, which is the solution for every problem, the end of every argument and the wisdom of God for all of life. That is what we call the Bible. It is the very words of God. For those who have submitted their life to Christ, who have willingly bent their knee, bowed themselves down to say, you are king, you are Lord, I will follow you and let go of my other solutions over here. All answers come through your word. That's what it means to be a Christian. God has given us a roadmap to help us navigate through the morass and turmoil of this life. I wrote that word morass this afternoon and thought it has to stay in there even though it doesn't fit because it's just a great word. You can look it up later, morass. Anyway, okay, let me take you to a couple of passages because I want to show this to you in God's word, how the issues are solved in the Bible. So open your Bibles to Psalm chapter one. We're just going to turn to a few places. I'm going to read these verses, make a couple of comments, and we'll move on. Psalm one, verse one. The entire Psalter begins with this. How blessed, how happy is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Check this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. 
Verse 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. What does this tell us about God's word, the Bible? It says that for those who delight in the Bible, those who meditate and know the Bible, and who live according to God's word, look at the, look at the, the, the synonymous, the, the, uh, the metaphor there, sorry, the picture in verse 3 about a tree. These people will have stability. They will have deep roots. Um, they, they will have strength in times of trouble. They will be prosperous in life. Look at end of verse three. In whatever he does, he prospers. You wanna know how to have a life that's not full of issues, but is full of solutions? Follow the Bible. It's a roadmap for you. Okay, now flip over to Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. The longest chapter in the Bible, every single verse has a reference to the word of God. I love this one in particular, 119.105. It says, it's a prayer, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This tells us that the Bible gives direction. It is a guide to us. The picture there is of a dark road and an uncertain time where we don't know which way to go and the Bible functions as a, a, a direction giver, as a light, something that gives us clarity in the middle of a very difficult situation. Flip over to your New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is towards the end of your Bible, 2 Timothy 3, 16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. Every word, every verse, every chapter, every book was written by, and, and that word actually means God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that, is a purpose statement. Why is the Bible given? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The Bible prepares us the Bible trains us. The Bible gets us ready for anything that comes on in our life. It makes us ready at the end of there. It equips us for every good work. It helps us to know how to live in such uncertain and difficult times. Flip a couple books further into your Bible to Hebrews and look at Hebrews chapter four, last one. Hebrews four, verse 12. You'll recognize this verse most likely. It says, for the word of God is living and active. That's an amazing statement. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. I remember <laughs> years ago, I was, um, I was in a lab. I sell medical equipment, surgical equipment. I was in a lab with Jonas Tracy. Some of you know him. He lives like two blocks that way in the very same house, uh, which is weird. And we were in this lab and we sell orthopedic parts, implants and other things to surgeons. And we go into the OR and teach them how to operate. And what do you need? What degree do you need for this? Absolutely nothing. Okay, I'm a salesman, but I go and teach doctors how to operate. So we're in this cadaver lab 
And uh, it ends, and Jonah says to the doctor, there's, there's a knee hanging there, and you don't get a full body when they work on cadavers, right? They gotta parse this thing out. So the head from here up goes to the, to the um, dentistry school, and, and the midsection from basically here to here, the trunk goes to the general surgeons, the feet go to the podiatrist, the hands go to the hand and wrist guys. So if you're operating and wanna do a knee cadaver, you literally get halfway down the shin to halfway up the thigh. So there's a, the big femur sticking out that goes into a clamp, Right, and the, and the knee then just hangs over and it's pretty gruesome, okay? So it's even more gruesome when you're doing like a, a, a foot lab or a hand lab and the person has their fingernails painted or maybe on their arm for a shoulder there's a tattoo and you get a sense that this was a real human being. But anyway, so this, this is getting close to the end. The doctors have worked, they've done their training and they're finished and Jonas says, do you mind if I, you know, um, just do my own research? I was gonna say play around, but that's, doesn't have a good feel for um, this, the gravity of the situation. And so the answer from the doctor was sure. And so within about 30 seconds, I, I'm off cleaning up and I look over and Jonas has taken a knife and he has cut through this thing and he's taken the kneecap and the skin, the muscle, everything else. He's cut the tendons and the ligaments and he has the kneecap flopped over here. It's called the patella, okay? And he's looking down at the trochlear groove, which is where the patella tracks. And basically you see the top of the femur and the tibia like this, and it is wide open. He has destroyed this knee from anything else that could be done. Cut all the way down one side, all the way upside, and just spread this thing open. And the doctor comes back over, he goes, what is that? Okay, because he thought he was, anyway. So that was, and Jonas was staying there like, what did I do? But anyway, I've never, I've never forgotten about that because it's, in my mind, it's always been locked in as an illustration of this verse. That where it talks about, look back at your Bibles. God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That knee was split open and laid bare. No one had ever looked into that compartment of that person's body before, right? This was, this was a surgical strike on this body that was real and wrong. But in this case, God is saying that his word is a surgical strike. Look at the, the, the phrases there, on the thoughts and intentions of your heart. The Bible has the ability to go straight into your soul and lay you wide open. It says that God and all things are open and laid bare in his sight to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The Bible not only teaches you how to live life, not only tells you about this world and is a roadmap, but it also looks straight into your heart and reveals the very thoughts and intentions that lie in the deepest parts of your heart. You read this word, it will tell you who you are. It will tell you why you're thinking what you're thinking. It will explain to you the struggles of your heart. It will explain to you the problems with life and show you all of the solutions. That is the promise of God and his word and it is true every word of it. It is living and active and can cut into you. And so for us, as we look at this, we wanna understand that the Bible is our roadmap. It is our guide. Again, as Christians, this is the key to life. We have chosen to submit to its authority and to follow its direction in all things. Now, maybe you're not a Christian and therefore you come with a different worldview saying, you know what, I'm, I'm here and, and this is good and I understand the Bible's important, a good moral book, but I'm not ready to say the Bible is the only pathway or the only solution to life. And we're glad you're here and hope you continue coming to see what the Bible says about the issues of your life. 
For those, however, who are Christians, we willingly say we put ourselves under the word of God as the Bible's unfolded and taught, or as we read it, we recognize we submit to what it says. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is to live by what he has laid out in his word. Now that takes us to the third point in our outline, which if, if we were to say, number two, that the Bible's the roadmap, number one, that we got a lot of issues, number three is that Jesus is the ultimate answer. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but we got a lot of issues and the Bible's the roadmap, but ultimately the story of the Bible has its climax in the, in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate answer for the problems of life. People may die of COVID. People are dying of COVID. People may die and are dying in the riots on the street. People are dying in car accidents every day. The question is not whether or not you're gonna die from COVID or in a riot. Every single human being was born, will live and will die. How you die is the question, not if you're gonna die, right? That's pretty standard. The issue for us is that all will stand before God and each one of us needs to prepare for that eventuality. In Hebrews 9, 27, you don't need to turn there. It says, it is appointed for men to die once and then comes judgment. In Acts 17, 31, it says that God has fixed a day. There is a day on his calendar in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, Christ, having furnished proof to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the judge of all. There is a day where every one of us will stand before him. That's the plain teaching of scripture. The question then is, can a sinful man or a sinful woman stand in the presence of a holy God? And I'm here to tell you, according to the Bible, not with all the good works of all the people accumulated through all the ages, could anybody work their way to heaven? not in a lifetime of mercy and kindness, not in a thousand lifetimes. Our sin has alienated us from a holy God and separated us, and, and that has thrown us into a world full of chaos, but Jesus comes to give life, to give solutions, because he lived the perfect life, because he took our place and suffered our penalty on the cross, Jesus can offer forgiveness in life, and ultimately, he offers a solution. In Acts 4.12, Acts 4.12, it says there is salvation in no one else. In no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. This is it. This is the only way, according to the Bible. There are no other solutions. So again, you could live a healthier life. You could work toward political unity. You could try to put a stopper in death. Stolen from Harry Potter. Um, but only in Christ can we conquer death and live forever. That is the main point of the Bible, that God is through Jesus Christ reconciling sinners to himself. And it is the ultimate solution. It is. And I don't know where you're at tonight. You might've been going to church since you were a fetus, and this might be your first experience hearing any kind of teaching from the Bible. It's all good. Ultimately, you need to square with the fact that there's a day coming where you're gonna stand before God. And the Bible has laid out one single answer for how you can be made right with the Holy God and it's through Christ. And that's a question you gotta deal with in your own heart and we'd love to talk more about that with you. But for the sake of time tonight, let me move on to our final point. And this is just to be brief and I'll finish. This is, I just 
Point number four is what are the issues at hand? Or you can just call this, these are my issues. I don't know. You can name this point whatever you want. We're just going to talk about what we're going to teach on in uh, the next eight weeks. Okay, so we've got eight, nine, ten weeks this semester. We're still working through whether or not we're going to have a fall classic. Uh, we're working on maybe having a worship night, which would just be awesome sitting out here singing. Um, we're talking about having Shannon Hurley, our missionary to Uganda, will be here in November. we got some other great things happening. But for our main time together, we're going to work through the biggest issues that face our society. And I just want to lay them on the table. And we're going to look at each from a biblical worldview so that each one of us is informed and has a foundation on how we should respond personally to this ever-shifting culture. Next week, by demand of the senior staff, we're going to look at, I'm just calling it government, politics, and voting. Oh, baby. This one's going to be interesting. Here's some questions that you want to work through. Should Christians be involved in politics? And at what level? Some say it's all about sharing the gospel. Some say it should all be about political activity and making good in this world. Where do you stand and why? Um, should I vote? Who should I vote for? What is at stake in this election? What does the Bible say about all these things? Do you understand the Supreme Court and how that works? Do you know that one of the longest term justices in the history of the United States, RBG, the no notorious RBG, just passed away on Friday and what impact that has on this election and this government? You haven't worked through some of these things. There's a lot of moving pieces as Republicans and Democrats are going this way right now. And so what should the Christian response be? You may never have thought about this before. Most of you have never voted before because you weren't old enough in 2016. Is that not true? Anyway, this is an important thing. How do Christians, those who want to submit to the word of God as their roadmap, how should they respond? And I'm going to put it plainly to you. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I just want to open the Bible and lay out the principles behind what should drive us as Christian in the realm of politics and government. Fair? We'll see that next week. Come back, bring your friends. It's going to be spicy. Okay, in two weeks, we're going to look at the, at the topic of gender, sex, and LGBTQ. Is gender a fluid construct? Can a man be born into a woman's body or a woman born into a man's body? What about sexual orientation and sexual preference? What about lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning? In case you never knew what LGBTQ stands for. What if I'm struggling with my own sexual identity? What do I do? Where do I look? How do I figure this out? I certainly couldn't admit that here. But let's just see what the Bible says, and maybe that'll be a help to you as you're working through this in your own heart and mind. We want to help you as find solutions in the Bible for the issues in your life. Or how do I deal with and handle and encourage those who are my friends who are dealing with and struggling or different from me in these issues? In a few weeks, we'll look at the topic of social justice. Our country is on the verge of tearing itself apart over racial issues. George Floyd... Um, Rayshard Brooks, Breonna Taylor, in case you haven't been following the news this week and all that's happened with, with the officers, etc. You go look it up afterwards, what's going on there. The topic of say their names, black lives matter, white privilege, defund the police, rioting, protesting, and more. I want to define for you what racism is, where it comes from, why it exists, and what is the Christian's role in all of these things. 
There are other social justice issues, although this one is clearly at the top of the chart right now. There's other things that are lurking in our world like poverty and abortion and sex trafficking and gun violence. And what I read today is defined as climate justice. And so there are many things and there's a lot of heat around these issues. And so we're gonna dive in and see what the Bible says about each of these. I didn't even mean that, but it was right there written. So I... <laughs> the following week, we're going to talk about freedoms, convictions, and preferences. Why do some people insist that you have to wear masks and some people are fine not wearing masks? The easiest example of what does this mean and how can they and how can I not? And what about, all, what about drinking? Why can they and not I? And all the different preference issues... And how about this one? What hills should I die on if I'm a Christian? What doctrinal things are so important that when I talk to somebody who's not a Christian or somebody that has a different view that is a Christian but believes maybe slightly different doctrinal things than I, what are the things I should die on and we should separate on and what are the things that we should unite over? When you talk about the sign gifts or evolution or predestination or end times, all of these things flow in and we need to understand how to deal with those things but also how to deal with what the Bible talks about as Christian freedoms and our preferences, right, and even our convictions. So that will be uh, interesting. Here's a tough one. Uh, next week, what do I do when someone walks away from the faith? How do I handle it when the person that invited me to church no longer wants to come? When my brother or sister or parent says, I'm not doing church anymore. I don't want to have a relationship with God. I'm going to go my own way. How do I handle that? Where do I go? Uh, following week, we'll look at what do I do when life hurts? All of us go through different trials, but sometimes those trials hit us in ways that are very difficult. Problems with family that lead to loneliness, depression, self-hurt, suicidal tendency, and you start asking, what's wrong with me? I don't feel right. I'm always melancholy. Uh, that's an old Charles Spurgeon word from the 1900s about depression. Uh, uh, should I get on medication? Should I stay on medication? What are the answers to my imbalances and internal turmoils? How do I deal with these things that are going on in my mind that are real, but I just can't seem to get past them and live back to a normal life? And then finally, uh, relationships. And this is a big one. We're gonna try it. We'll top, tackle it in one week. Guys and girls. How do I respond to him or to her? This is really the biggest issue in each one of your lives. Admit it or not, right? Should I date? Who should I date? Oh, he's looking at me. Do I talk to him? I don't like her. Like all these different things. Why does no one like me? All these things I'm going to put out there, uncover for you and help, walk, help you walk through that because that is one of the main issues in life. So we've got a lot of work to do this semester and we're gonna dive in to see what the Bible says about how we are to live in such times as these. And I'll just close back in Ephesians 5:15. Our theme verse says this, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your days, make, excuse me, making the most of your time because the days are evil. It's gonna be a good semester. I hope you come along for the ride. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time tonight, even briefly to look into your word and to uncover what your word says about the issues in our life. We recognize that sin has brought all of this and we recognize, Lord, that we have fallen short, each one of us, of your perfect standard. We are so thankful for Christ who has given us hope, given us forgiveness, given us life. We are thankful